0: This is Don Bluth, and you're listening to the Animation Addicts Podcast with the Rotoscopers.
1: You're listening to the Animation Addicts Podcast, episode 67. All dogs go to heaven. You can never come back.
2: Welcome to the Animation Addicts Podcast with the Rotoscopers, Disney, DreamWorks, Pixar, Don Bluth, and everything in between. My name is Chelsea, and I am here with my fantastic co-hosts. We've got Mason and Morgan. Say hi, everyone. Hi, everyone.
3: <laughs> Hello, world.
2: Hello! We're just a really bunch of friends. We like to get together. We talk about animated movies, past and the present, and, you know, sometimes we bring up things in the future. But we are really excited today because we're going back in time to the VHS classic, All Dogs Go to Heaven. (laughs)
1: Again, this is another dog movie, which is part of our dog series of, of podcasts that we've been doing, so... The other ones that we've been doing, what were the other movies? We've done Balto. Balto. Mm-hmm. We did Up. And we did Up, Up which yeah. Half Dog. Uh, and now All Dogs Go to Heaven. So anything new happening in your guys' lives? We haven't really done, like, an update before we jump into the main event.
0: I have
3: an update. Go for it. Oh, well, I was just going to say that I uh, ended my spring semester in the Viz program at A&M. And it turned out really well. I made all As except for a B in programming, which... Everyone saw coming because programming
4: sucks (laughs)
3: when you're an animator. But, yeah, it did good. And then um, we had our big undergrad show, and uh, my animation and visual arts portfolio was a finalist for Best Portfolio. This is actually a Mason plug. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) But, yeah, my portfolio did really well, and um, I had some digital paintings that were featured in the Best of Undergraduate Show And then I did this uh, character animation video. It was selected for the undergrad visual work. So it's like the digital work. So they like everybody comes into the auditorium and they watch everybody's animation projects. And mine got selected for that.
1: Ooh, fancy. Congratulations.
3: Yeah. So yeah, it was a good semester. And then I've just been uh, taking a break, hanging out in Houston with Shanna while she's working. And uh, we're just here for the weekend. So I'm enjoying that. Oh, I saw Godzilla last night.
1: Not animation.
3: Yes, it is. is animated.
1: <laughs> how was it?
3: That's, God, that's Godzilla language for it was really good. I enjoyed it. Um, they did a really good job. And I don't know, the visual effects were, were pretty stunning. And I'm a Godzilla fan, so I was pretty excited. Just ask Shanna. I've only been like talking about how excited I've been to see it for like... Three months now, and uh, yeah, I finally got to see it, and I was I was really pleased. If if you like the old Godzilla films, then uh, you'll like it a lot. Don't expect as much action as Pacific Rim, but anyway, I'll um I'll, I'll let people know uh on on articles and stuff.
1: Yeah, by the time this episode comes out, Mason's article and YouTube review of it will be out, so I'll include that in the show notes.
3: Woo! Yeah, what about you guys?
1: Let's hear
2: Morgan. Morgan's got some pretty
1: awesome
3: Ooh, stuff. Yeah.
1: Oh man, now you're. Hyping me up. <laughs> um, so yesterday I graduated with my MBA. Woo! Which is really Yay! exciting. Thank you, thank you. So done with school forever. <laughs> um, for real, forever. I'm not going back to get my PhD. You can and...
3: never go back. <laughs>
1: <laughs> what what other exciting things are happening in my life, Chelsea? You're making it seem like there's Oh, that that is enough to go. Okay. Around, okay. But... I was just worried that I I didn't know what else was happening in my life. No. <laughs> So, that's yeah, great. that was that was fun. So it's over, and graduation is – I've actually been done with school for about two weeks. I was kind of just waiting for the graduation ceremony, and, yeah, we had a bunch of family there. We went to dinner afterward, and it was great. It was really fun.
3: What are you going to do now? Go to Disneyland?
1: Uh, I really want to go to Disneyland, but I do not want to go during peak summer hours just because that's horrible oh, yes, and mine's – so we are planning on hopefully going in September when like 20 out of the 30 days are are ranked like on a crowd level of one out of 10 on touringplans.com. So I'm like, oh, yes, sweet. even on like Fridays and Mondays and stuff. I'm like, perfect.
2: Hey,
3: it's not like you have school or anything on, exactly. in September. <laughs> well,
1: yeah.
3: cool. So, so Anaheim then.
1: Yes. I would like I to go to Walt closer. Disney World, but you know. We're going on a cruise in uh, December, so
3: yeah. Is the Seven Dwarfs ride going to be in Anaheim and uh, no, Disney World? I,
1: I haven't heard anything yet.
3: Okay, uh, I went with my family last summer, and we did the exact opposite. We went on the July Fourth weekend, which uh, it was Adventure uh, Magic Kingdom was this like miserable <laughs> s- sea of tourists. If, anyway, we had a lot of fun, but on those hot days, like you, we just hung out in the Haunted Mansion nice (laughs) channel was getting all creeped out because we were well the haunted the haunted mansion has um air conditioning and stuff it was it was a week of intense crowds intense heat and intensely expensive food at magic kingdom by gosh it's the happiest place on earth but man (laughs) that is a nine dollar cheeseburger right there
1: (laughs) it's all about the corn dogs at disneyland hand-dipped corn dogs
3: Oh man! You know what is our favorite? Is to get the Dole Whip over in Adventureland. Those
1: are good. Yes. They're always delicious. Those are also, anyways. my favorite
3: thing. Also, my favorite thing to do. Oh yeah.
1: No, I was going to say. Anyways, we we could talk about this on our new Disneyland podcast. <laughs>
3: yeah. <laughs>
1: <laughs> no, just kidding.
3: <laughs> I
2: know. All right, Chelsea. What about you? Um, there's really not all that much that is going on. That's like, woohoo! Let's you know, I'm, I didn't finish school and I didn't, you know do all that fun stuff but excuse me you don't need to cry chelsea (laughs) no sorry i love you
3: it's it's okay if you didn't have any major life life achievements yeah there
2: weren't really weren't that many life achievements that but you know there's a lot of really great things going on over here in my life so i'm super happy and i'm looking forward to the next couple months like we got a lot of really cool things coming up too excellent
1: So, one thing that we haven't really done very many of, and I'm actually really sad that we haven't, is nerdy couch discussions. Um, And so we wanted to be doing a lot more Nerdy Couch discussions, but we want to get your guys' feedback and ideas about what Nerdy Couch discussions we should do. Um, I think it'll be a bit more exciting. So you can always send us an email. Uh, We have a new email address that you can email us at. It's contact at rotoscopers.com. And then just say uh, NCD in the title or just in the email mention what you would like us to talk about. Um, I think one thing that we could do is we could talk about just different animated dogs or disney dogs uh totally unprepared guys if you don't want to that's okay
3: no no that's the best part about nerdy couch discussions is that it's it's kind of impromptu
1: perfect okay then take so, it away mason
3: i don't know the, the first dog that comes to my mind is Gromit from really? wallace and grommet um, really
2: that's the first one that comes to your mind don't hey, judge, you know. Chelsea. <laughs> I don't judge, but it's just the, like that's the that's interesting. The, okay, that that's the what's one. the
3: first rule of nerdy couch discussion? <laughs> don't judge.
2: <laughs> I don't see judge. we we need
3: to we need to crowdsource our nerdy couch discussion because we've gotten in our the point in our relationship when we have nothing to talk about, <laughs> and so we need our listeners' help. I'm just kidding. Um, yeah, uh, let's see, Gromit. I don't know because he's just a uh, dogs are usually the the good guys, I guess, unless they're wolves. But um, I like Gromit because he's definitely a hero. But he's, like, literally an unsung hero because he doesn't speak. He's just always in horrible situations, usually caused by Wallace. Right. And um, I don't know. I just like him because he's got a cool character design. And um, he's really really smart. My favorite Gromit scene is where, one, the fact that he always knits. I think that's hilarious. (laughs) And, um, two, um, I love the scene where Feathers McGraw is after him, the the penguin chicken thing. I am the creeper. The Creeper, yeah, is after him on the railroad, on the toy train, and Wallace has to lay the tracks down in front of the train so that they can <laughs> go places. Oh, that's, like, brilliant animation right there. How did they even coordinate that, like, technically? But another one that comes to mind is uh, Courage the Cowardly Dog. Have you guys ever watched that show? No. It's a very morbid, very weird show.
2: You have an interesting lineup of dogs that come to mind. <laughs> I was oh, going to well, say, what like did you expect, know? I, yeah, I was I was gonna
1: say like Pluto, Goofy, Max, uh, Lady you and know, the Tramp, Lady <laughs> Lady Tramp, like Paul Rolly, love with. Roly, Lucky. Yeah,
3: this is all those, yeah. Well, that's what makes <laughs> us such a great diverse bunch is that we don't automatically go for the same thing.
1: You know why doesn't Disney have face dogs at the park? Actually, I know the reason why, but would that be really cool if they dogs? had if they brought in a Dalmatian? like two dalmatians Pongo and Perdita and you could wait in line and you could pet Pongo and Perdita <laughs> that would
2: be so cool <laughs> and they bring uh, in like a an uh, adorable... yeah totally bite Until they yeah. bite and Whatever. Until they bite some little for, kid you know calls Peta and says that they are mistreating them because they're making them stand outside for four uh, hours. you know Peta oh, is poor Peta. so annoying He'll never I'm have sorry They do they
1: they're completely overboard I'm sorry I'm gonna I'm gonna rant but I'm gonna stop my rant because this isn't a political show but for real like they're fine outside like yeah (laughs) they're outdoor animals (laughs) especially the horses that I know sometimes whatever okay
3: I totally agree if they can have horses uh, if they can have an entire park dedicated to animals then why can't they have a couple of dogs in in line. That's like a really cheap way of expanding your character base in the I parks because you just don't buy have a to... dog. <laughs> yeah, just buy a Dalmatian.
2: You don't have paid, to pay even your dues. It's true.
3: If if I was in charge of the parks, I would just get um one hundred and one Dalmatian puppies and just let them loose in the park. <laughs>
1: oh my gosh! Puppies everywhere! <laughs>
3: <laughs> <laughs> or you, you could um you could have the Siamese cats. You know you could bring in some cats. Uh, that would be oh, a lot harder. You could take a picture with Thomas O'Malley. <laughs> 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 now we're now we're now we're expanding into cats, but. Uh, you know, tangents are kind of our specialty on the show
4: <laughs> that's
1: Dude. what it should be called the dirty couch tangent
3: <laughs> hey, you know any, anything anything goes on the couch i, I regret saying that already anyway <laughs>
2: um <clears throat>
3: <laughs> but uh yeah thomas o'malley could be this like short-haired tabby you know with the cute little collar and the little green bow tie
2: it's true just <laughs> kittens. <laughs>
3: You could have Edgar try to try to kill him with a pitchfork. <laughs> I'm just kidding. It's all a part oh, of the act, kids. It's all part of the. Act.
1: Of other Disney dogs, there's this is, uh, this is okay. what would
3: happen if Don if Don Bluth was in charge of Disney World. <laughs> you would have staged Edgar come out and try to kill him with a pitchfork.
1: <laughs> no, that's those are some other Disney dogs, uh, Lafayette and Napoleon.
3: Oh, oh yes. sweet! I'm the leader. I decide what it was. was a little old cricket bug. <laughs> I really like those two dogs. There aren't really any dogs in Robin Hood, are there?
2: Yeah.
3: Oh, there's Otto.
2: Yeah, there's Otto. He's like got his foot in his sad cast. Oh. <laughs>
3: um.
1: Suppose. Well, here's one that's like an honorable. Here are two honorable mentions. Um, I guess is a dog. Is the footstool in Beauty and the Beast oh, eventually really. becomes a dog? <laughs> And then Stitch right. uh, is referred to uh, and tried to be disguised as a dog.
3: Oh, oh that's right. <laughs> I
1: have another one. Prince Eric's
3: dog. Max.
1: Oh, Max.
3: Oh, Max. I don't know. It looks kind of hairy and slobbery to me.
1: Yeah. Ooh, ooh, I have some more. Bring Max, is,
3: Max is good.
1: Bolt. Yeah, Bolt. Percy oh, yeah, Bolt. From Pocahontas. Percy Percy's... from
3: Pocahontas. Percy's great. Talk about character development.
1: Yeah. And... Little brother, little brother. Oh, oh! I have I'm, I'm actually just looking at a photo of Disney dogs, though. So.
3: <laughs> Smart dog. Hey, you're cheating. <laughs> we never use the internet while we're recording.
1: Oh, Slinky. <laughs> Especially
3: not Wikipedia.
1: Oh, and the dog from Peter Pan. Oh yeah, Nana. Nana.
3: Oh Nana, that's right. Poor Nana. Poor, Poor Nana. Nana. <laughs>
1: <laughs> uh, and we we talked last time about uh disney dobermans right yeah there's, oh, uh, right. In pixar alpha then there's the two dobermans in oliver and Co- company which is f- f- chock full of dogs chock full
3: um oh yeah there's there's dogs in Al- Al- oliver and company do you know whose bowl you're eating from
1: Ah, <gasps> uh, georgette oh georgette how do you forget georgette She's the coolest. Oh, and you know what I love um, Disney dog wise? I love in Hundred Dalmatians the very beginning scene when he's talking about how the owners look like their dogs. Uh huh. I always oh, loved the uh, poodle, the French poodle, and the the oh hot, and the lady, yeah.
3: <laughs> the super the fashionable supermodel lady. Yeah. <laughs> so. Oh, I love it.
1: Oh, Cinderella's uh, dog Bruno.
3: Bruno. <laughs> did you get him this time? Yo. Yeah. Uh-huh. So, um, did we did we establish that Goofs are not dogs?
1: No, oh, they are dogs.
3: <laughs> they're just like a special mutant hybrid. I think <laughs> when we talked about the Goofy movie, that there's something to do with like a chemical spill that mutated all these dogs into a uh, kind <laughs> of a, that, but a, sen- sure. a sentient sentient beings. But anyway, um, yeah, that's right. So the, the whole Goof Trooper dogs. So does that make Pegleg? Does that make Pegleg Pete a dog? They're cats. Pegleg Pizza Cat? Oh, that's right. He is a cat.
1: <laughs>
3: <laughs> <laughs> I know. I, I got to work on my um, Jim Cummings.
1: We're we're not doing enough uh, non-Disney dogs. I'm trying to think. That's it what I was trying to
3: start. That's sorry, what I was. Sorry, I know. Disney
1: so easy <laughs> it is.
3: That's true. That's true. Um, th- there are no dogs in the Shrek series. I'm, th- I'm trying to think of DreamWorks dogs. You know, DreamWorks doesn't really do a lot of dogs. No, we do. We <laughs> do. And then,
1: um, Odie, or Odie, wait. Odie Odie, from
3: Garfield and Friends. Yeah. Yeah. I like Odie.
1: Snoopy. Can't forget. Snoopy. Snoopy.
3: He's not, he's not just a dog. Oh, um, Mr. Peabody.
1: Ah, yes.
3: Mr. Peabody, Sherman. Of course.
1: And, uh, uh, dog from Family Guy. And of course, (laughs) Santa's little helper from Simpsons. There you go.
2: (laughs) Astro from the Jetsons.
3: Ah. Oh, that's right. His boy, Elroy. <laughs> Actually, there's, there's a lot of Hanna-Barbera dogs. You know, Scooby-Doo um, had... Um, it, there was a series where, of course, there was Scrappy, which we don't talk about. Uh, but there's also <laughs> Scooby... There's also Scooby-Dum, who was... Scooby-Dum was, uh, was a, a cousin, like a country cousin of, of Scooby's. And he ran around with them for a couple episodes and solved mysteries. And then uh, there was a, a girl Scooby who was in a few of them also. I forgot what her name was. She was like a Southern Belle, kind of um, kind of dog. Like Scooby had these weird, like down on the Bayou cousins that
0: <laughs> didn't <laughs> Once have you, go it, you know down while on they the were Bayou, they're
2: all weird.
3: <laughs> yeah, there's that one series where it's like Scooby's like, well, Scooby Dump just got out of prison, so I should really look after him. Hey, why don't it, it wouldn't it wouldn't hurt if you came along with us and solved a few mysteries with us? And boy, were they wrong! <laughs> Scooby Two was worse than Scrappy in a few episodes. <laughs>
1: Uh, that reminds me of the Simpsons episode where the Itchy and Scratchy show, they add a new character, which is Poochie. Yeah. And, and Homer does the voice, so it's the Itchy and Scratchy and Poochie show. Anyways, um, he's a total flop. And so they cut him out of the series after a few episodes. And then the way he leaves, I'll find a clip and I'll put it in the show notes. But it's just like it, Homer didn't even get to record the last lines. He didn't even know that he was being cut out of the show. And it's just like a cell. Uh, and he says, I'm going back to my home now in space or whatever. And then the <laughs> cell just lifts up to the sky. <laughs> and you can, you can see like the markings of
2: Oh, <laughs> oh gosh, it's so good.
3: I want to check it out. <sighs> Oh my gosh!
2: You've got dog from Cat Dog. Cat Dog. What about
1: Huckleberry Hound? Uh, oh,
3: Huckleberry Hound. Oh yeah, and then there's um, oh, there's the dog from uh, with the bunions uh, uh, on uh, a Doodle.
2: Yes. Oh gosh. <laughs> and these I- shoes help my feet.
3: It's like, like, that's your justification for dogs wearing clothes? I like to all dogs go to heaven where it, they just inexplicably have full wardrobes.
2: <laughs> uh I love all dogs go to heaven. Well, and then we also have Buster from Toy Story.
3: Oh, Buster. And then a Slink.
2: Yes. slink. A slinky dog.
3: I, I have here my um, updated official encyclopedia, Disney A to Z, but I think we've covered a lot of the Disney dogs
1: um okay so i was was as i was looking on pictures i someone had a dog for gaston and it, i don't even know so for the oh, Disney, I, love,
3: I love fan mashups
1: yes let's mash this up if gaston could have a dog what breed of dog would it be
3: well Isn't it had to a be a hunting discussion?
1: dog
2: yes a great dame like a bloodhound
3: Oh, a Great Dane?
2: I'd put him with a Great Dane. I don't think Great Danes are hunting dogs, though. Bloodhounds are. Yeah, Bloodhounds. He needs a
1: bird dog or like a a sniffing dog.
3: Apparently dachshunds were used as hunting dogs for a while. Because they could burrow and find burrowing
1: creatures. (laughs) I don't imagine him with a dachshund.
3: Who who are the dogs that are after the fox in Mary Poppins? What's their breed?
1: What about fox and the hound? We totally forgot two crazy dogs. Um, Those dogs, I don't know. Oh, I don't know what those are.
3: Yeah, Let's I don't hunt, know much about... Dogs. Yeah, but anyway, Gaston would have this, like, cool hunting dog.
1: What about...
3: But do you oh. think the the dog would be evil, or if he would be, like, an unwilling follower?
1: He'd be, like, an unwilling follower. He, Gaston's not really easy, evil, he's just crazy.
2: <laughs> <laughs> There's a difference. Yeah,
3: he's just crazy and, and prejudiced against beasts.
2: <laughs> oh, Lady Bird from King of the Hill. <laughs>
3: Oh, yes, that is a very honorable mention. <laughs> Ladybird's my dog. Do you guys even know why why Ladybird is named Ladybird?
1: No. After the first lady.
3: Yes, after Ladybird Johnson. Um Lyndon Baines Johnson's, who's uh, a, te- he's from Texas. Yeah.
2: And Texans got to stick together.
3: Well, Ladybird Johnson is more famous than Lyndon Baines Johnson down here, but <laughs> But yeah, um there's all sorts of awesome. We'll have to have a King of the Hill discussion, or I'll just do one.
1: <laughs> He'll just, I'll do a lecture. Peter just starts a <laughs> podcast on his own.
3: <laughs> uh, this is the King of the Hill podcast. Anyway.
1: <laughs> Anyways, I think that's about enough for
2: this. No, 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 no! Awesome. Buttons from Animaniacs. I like. I don't them.
3: even know what Animaniacs is. What? <laughs> oh, I know what it is. I, my parents would just never let me watch it.
2: Wait, what did they have against Animaniacs?
3: I don't know. My parents didn't didn't like WB as much.
2: So they were company specific to this.
3: Yeah, yeah, they didn't like WB stuff. Uh, Tiny Toons Adventures was like the the only thing I could get away with. Weird. Yeah. That's okay. Because WB had Kids WB had Pokémon which my parents were against and um they also had Animaniacs which my parents were against. Beetlejuice, I think was WB. Um although um I really, my favorite WB, one of my favorite cartoons is the WB show. is the uh, Batman animated series from the '90s.
2: Right, that was good.
3: Yeah, yeah. So anyway, Mr.
2: J, Mr. J.
3: Oh, Harley Quinn's great.
2: Yeah, she is. <laughs> Anyway, let's wrap this couch discussion up. That's what I was trying to do (laughs) ten
1: minutes ago. Sorry.
3: Oh, sorry, Morgan. So in conclusion, there are a lot of animated dogs. End of discussion.
1: (laughs) (laughs) If you have an animated dog that we didn't talk about, send us an email at contact at rotoscopers.com. And uh, to let us know about animated dogs, why they're your favorite, why you're your least favorite. If you have uh, animated crossovers like Disney characters, what do you think their dog would be? Let us know. You can't keep a good dog down. Wow, 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 wow.
5: He's been bad and i been out, thin, thin. He tried a life of virtue, a life of sin. So tonight, man, we own this town.
3: Yeah, can't keep a good dog down. Yeah, <laughs>
1: So, on to the main event. All dogs, go to heaven.
5: Don Bluth, the acclaimed director of two of the most popular animated films of all time, An American Tale and The Land Before Time, now takes you on his most magical adventure ever. All dogs go to heaven. But only one dog ever came back. Hi, Charlie. Ah! Will you shut up? I'm alive, Charlie.
0: It's really you.
5: The story of a canine con artist with a second chance at life who became a little girl's only chance for happiness.
4: I'm an orphan,
5: a little girl who talks to animals.
4: Could you please tell me which one of you is going to win today's race? Ah!
5: All Dogs Go to Heaven, featuring the voices of Vic Tayback. This is strike two. You're out. Charles Nelson Reilly. No, wait, boss, boss, I get one more strike. Dom DeLuise. I can't help it, Charlie. I itch when I'm nervous. Lonnie Anderson. Hello, Charlie. And Burt Reynolds as... Charlie. you the best friend I, I ever had. You'll help me find a mommy and daddy?
3: I promise.
4: Oh, Charlie.
3: <laughs> All Dogs Go to Heaven. So... This time for real we're going on to our main discussion And uh, <laughs> like we said We are discussing the 1989 animated classic By Don Bluth, All Dogs Go to Heaven This is one of those movies that was like there was this long gap Because I know I saw this sometime in kindergarten But I only Like conscientiously saw this movie Last summer uh, When I went and saw uh, It at the Alamo Draft House in Austin And Don Bluth and Gary Goldman were there Actually they sat right behind us but I was, like, too nervous to, like, turn around and be like, well, howdy, you know. But anyway, um, Don Bluth and Gary Goldman were there. And after the it – was, it was an original 35-millimeter uh, film showing. So the quality Whoa. was horrible.
4: Well,
3: the quality oh. was terrible. Um, <laughs> and uh, their voices were, like, coming out of, like, a Dairy Queen uh, drive-thru window, you know. Anyway, um, so he and Gary Goldman actually got up and had a Q&A afterward – which was very entertaining. Don Bluth like, growled a couple times when the question people ans- uh, like, asked him about Disney. <laughs> uh, of course. I, I love it, I love it when, people, when fans can't get past the fact that Don Bluth broke from Disney. Like, I'm sure he doesn't want to be known as the guy who broke off from Disney. Because there were pl- plenty of people who broke off from Disney.
5: Oh, yeah.
3: You know Don Bluth just happens to be, have the highest profile because he seems to be pretty successful.
2: Well, he was also you know? kind of the first...
3: He was one of the first ones that really tried to make it. Of course, he had, you know, uh, he had Katzenberg, who broke off uh, in in the 90s. But Don Bluth was like old school. Yeah. I- him and Ralph uh, Bakshi, man. Although I wouldn't I wouldn't compare him to Bakshi's level of, of production <laughs> and, and content. But um, it was really cool. And I finally got to meet Don Bluth in person after the show. He said that he remembered me uh, from the from the podcast. But I think he was just trying to be nice. But he he talked a lot about you guys. I was like, "Yeah, I'm I'm part of the Animation Addicts podcast." Uh, Morgan and Chelsea's like, "Oh yeah, those are really those are really nice girls." They came came to my house and saw my my theater. So he Indeed. remembered everybody.
2: Indeed. And then, nice.
3: uh, yeah, I got to meet Gary Goldman. And then um, people were like, "What? What podcast?" So I got to do like a quick like plug in in front of everyone.
2: Awesome. <laughs>
3: yeah, it was kind of <laughs> prompt too. I didn't want to steal Don Bluth's uh, uh, thunder there, but. Um, It was really nice meeting him, and then I also got they got some really cool insights on the film, and I wish I'd taken notes, but I remember quite a bit of it for this discussion.
1: So, interesting. We've done a few Don Bluth films over the years because, obviously, we like them. We've done Rockadoodle. Is that the only one we've ever done? No, we did Anastasia. Oh, and Anastasia, of course. So, now we're doing this. I really want to do Lamp Before Time. Let's do a dinosaur series. Um
3: (laughs) Dan, I want Nim. I want. I NIMH. want them
1: too. Oh, that's Maybe we'll just do a Don Bluth series. Don um, Bluth month. <laughs> And interesting. So this movie was animated by his studio, Sullivan Bluth Studios, um, which is interesting. He His studio had three different names at different points in time. It was founded in 1977 when he left Disney as Don Bluth Productions. And then he got um, an Irish-American business partner named Morris Francis Sullivan. And they changed the name in 1985 to Sullivan Bluth Studios. And that's where they worked with Amblimation to do an American Tale and then after that, you know, this movie uh, "All Dogs Go to Heaven" was produced in Ireland. That's because uh, Sullivan moved the studio to Dublin, Ireland, because they were able to take advantage of a lot of tax credits and different incentives for producing movies over there. Um, and so they were able to do um, "Land Before Time" and then "All Dogs Go to Heaven" and "Rock a Doodle," um, and then. The name was changed back to Don Bluth Entertainment in 92 and was moved back to the States. So really interesting, kind of like the history of Don Bluth. Um, Apparently it went defunct in 1995 and Don Bluth no longer was kind of producing his own he was working for Fox animation after that. So I don't know. I, I find Don blue's little era. Very interesting. I think we could do just a nerdy couch discussion on that later on, maybe on our uh, Don blue series, yeah. <laughs> but it pretty interesting that that's, that's what happened. Um, this movie had a budget of $13.8 million, uh, which is really interesting because this was, that was very low for the time. I would say, um, you know, same year, Little Mermaid came out. But the movie did well at $27.1 million in the U.S. So, you know, I loved All Dogs Go to Heaven. I never owned it, but I think it was always on Saturday morning, like, afternoon. You know when they'd show movies on Saturday yeah. afternoons? Um they say Saturday morning afternoon? <laughs> Saturday. Yeah, we get it. Saturday afternoon. It seems like that's what the... The local channels would do is they'd show a movie, and it seemed like All Dogs Go to Heaven was always on, so that's kind of how I was able to see this movie all the time. And I always really enjoyed it as a youngin'. I as also a did. We no, did as, have- as a youngin'. Yes. Different right. than Youngster. Well, we did right. have this on the kidding. <laughs> <laughs> of course, you did. Well, the,
3: the thing about the VHS is that it ended up becoming one of the biggest selling VHS releases ever due to apparently a an effective marketing program for the release. We never had All Dogs Go to Heaven on VHS, but uh, all my friends did. I guess that's called a sleeper hit or a oh, – I don't, I don't know what you call them – where uh, it doesn't do as well. But then like years late, later when there's like a re-release, it does really well. People like rediscovered it, you know. Yes. I'd say this is one of the most pop- more popular Don Bluth films, besides Land Before Time.
1: Yeah, who would you rank the most popular
2: Don oh, Bluth film? Oh, an American films? tale? An- Anastasia, obviously. Then I think maybe oh, American tale. that's right. Tale? I think people forget that Anastasia is Don Bluth. But yeah, I would say... the People don't forget... Like, Don- we're talking Don Bluth fans here.
1: Right, right. Not people who think Anastasia is a Disney movie, like our writer <laughs> Pablo. Yeah. <laughs> If you don't get get it, that's like a long-running joke in all of his articles that Anastasia is a Disney movie and that Rasputin is a Disney villain. And so in every article, even if it's not Anastasia or Don Bluth related, he puts that in there and it drives people insane because because people will just like stumble on the website and they'll read that. They'll be like, oh my gosh – Anastasia is not a Disney movie, <laughs> and it's, it's hilarious. And it's I don't even care. I don't care because I'm like, um, these articles are meant for real fans who actually get the joke and have been long time readers. So you know, it's kind of our way that we can filter out the the good guys from the are, new guys. People, are,
3: the new people, people guys. are flagging people are flagging his articles as inappropriate <laughs> because of it. <laughs> if you could, you know, <laughs> oh, that's funny. Well, I'd say all dogs, all dogs go to heaven for like the the gr- grew up in the '90s crowd, yeah. Uh, people like us, that all dogs go to heaven is a pretty big deal, yeah. Like pretty much every year in elementary school, we'd we'd watch this film or at least parts of it. So this was released the same year as uh, Kiki's Delivery Service, Little Nemo, and Wallace and Gromit's A Grand Day Out. But most importantly, it was also released at the same time as The Little Mermaid. Ouch. So, yeah. It's
2: kind of like <laughs> every film that was released in the wake of Frozen, I just felt bad for. because
3: well, well, when you have a re-release, um, literally three weeks after the end of your original three theatrical yeah. release. It's <laughs> it's it's hard for everyone. Yeah. Um,
1: focus back to I back know. to the domain discussion. Anyway, <laughs> Alright, back to all that.
3: But yeah, it's it's a good point. It is hard to compete with Disney. I had to wonder did Don Bluth choose this release date or did Disney choose their release date or if that was just a popular week to release? I don't know. I so I don't know. Was but it I do just, know interesting or something else.
1: To promote this movie in nineteen eighty seven, so two years before it came out, John Pomeroy, uh who was part of the, the heads of Don Blue studio, um went to the San Diego Comic Con in nineteen eighty seven to generate some early buzz for the film.
3: Which Dude, awesome. Really? I would love I would love to go to Comic Con in San Diego in nineteen eighty seven. I <laughs> for real. <laughs> <laughs> Guys, it's an Amigo Commodore sixty four. It's a it's a DOS system. It's a, it's a Interactive CD ROM from Jurassic Park. <laughs> it's a uh, Unix system. I know this.
1: Uh, <laughs> so okay, um, obviously we talked a little bit about the release. It did okay, but it really generated like with twenty seven million in North America. But that was actually half of what American Tail and Land Before Time took in. So. At the time, it was kind of considered a disappointment, even though it made back its budget. Just because, um, you know, it did half as well as the prior two films, which is sad. Because this movie, like like Mason said, is kind of a sleeper hit. Uh, it did really well home media release after the fact.
3: Right from the get go, the film is very um, it's pretty dark. Prison escape? This is a kids' movie. What are we doing in prison?
1: I know. That's I know. one thing, as I was watching this time, I was like, wow, I f- really forgot just generally how dark the movie is. And it's kind of really confusing also. Like, I, I guess when I was younger, like, I had a t- hard time understanding what was going on because it kind of just jumped, jump, 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 jump at the beginning. You know, there's breaking out of jail, and then there's, you know, the rat races, <laughs> and then Mardi Gras, it's, you know, it's set in New Orleans. But, you know, me being a three-year-old at the time had no idea the difference of the Geographic areas of the US.
3: <laughs> oh,
2: right. And
1: cultural significance of this? Yes. Yeah, you know, so it was like a Mardi Gras party. And that meant nothing to me as a child. <laughs>
2: right. <laughs> well, and also a lot of the buildup as far as car- or story development was in signs and just little things that you'd have to read. Uh, and so that was another thing like when you're that young it's like I don't know what's going on mom's not here to tell me and
3: <laughs> mom Nora- <laughs> what does that read what does that say <laughs> but I still
1: I still loved this movie even though oh, it gosh. was kind of like maybe a little too above me
3: <laughs> yeah as a child I didn't really understand the darker elements and themes like gambling drinking I mean, corruption
1: can I just say I love that this movie has this I love that they're smoking gambling drinking <laughs> Which goes against everything. It's good old
3: American qualities.
1: It goes against everything that I stand for in my own life. True. But I I like that they had it in an animated film because I know that animated films are supposed to be seen as squeaky clean and, you know, you're – very impressionable to the children. Okay, this movie never made me want to drink, never made me have any interest in smoking or gambling. You know, it, it's... If
3: anything, if anything, it talks about the dangers. It's like, yeah. don't let a friend get you drunk because then he'll plow you over with a car.
1: <laughs> exactly. Like, but um, that's that's what Don Bluth could do and get away with because yeah. he wasn't spooky queen Disney. He was, you know, Don Bluth, which was, especially in this movie, darker and, and more mature, not in a, you know... Um, ralph bakshi sort of way but (laughs) it it was refreshing to see that actually and that that, you know there wasn't any concern of
2: like (gasps) oh smoking my kids are being
3: exposed
2: there was, though, because the very first edit of this was actually given a PG rating. And it was just this huge thing for them because it's like it can't be PG because then parents won't actually take their kids to see it. And that's all of our, our audience. And so they had to cut a bunch of things. So one thing that they had to cut was uh, the first scene where Charlie is actually killed by the car. The original is like a lot more graphic. And it actually showed Charlie's uh-huh. body flying th- off the pier and into the river. And then another one later on when, like, Charlie has the vision of hell coming at him, like, all these demons kind of pulling at him um, that was longer and more intense. But there's a lot of things that they had to edit to get. So
1: but those it, don't yeah. seem like we had, you know, someone's smoking, so we have to cut it yeah. out. Yeah, <laughs> Those are more just, like, too intense for little children. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but- there, t-
3: there does apparently exist a unedited ver- print of the film that's what? in Don Blue's possession. Yeah.
1: <gasps> hey y'all are friends I, with him I, why I don't you to go his house right
2: now <laughs> why Get don't you go there. ask him
3: for it say oh, well. donnie hey don but um this brings up a point uh that i wanted to discuss how watching this film because i remember when i at the almo draft house q a don bluth was like well we we broke off from disney because i felt that disney wasn't providing good family entertainment and i broke off to provide that and then after watching all dogs go to heaven You know, I'm like, hmm, family entertaining uh, and entertainment. I just watched a bunch of gambling, a bunch of drinking, dogs being (laughs) murdered. I, I, I think it goes deeper than that. I think Don Bluth simply wanted real creative freedom to do what he wanted with animation. I did my research and uh, Land Before Time and American Tale were uh, executive produced by Amblin Entertainment, which we're familiar with because of Balto. So that was executive producers Spielberg and George Lucas. I don't know if you've ever heard of him, But he apparently broke off from them to produce this film because he thought that they were too controlling. So you got to hand it to Don Bluth for actually turning down the producer input which he called control um, from Spielberg and George Lucas themselves in order to really do what he wanted. So this is like the independent animator spirit here. So I do respect that there is a lot of vice that we get exposed to in this film. That's supposedly a kid's film or a family film. I don't know. It's just very different. And I had to kind of put piece all the, put all those pieces together. So I don't know if you guys feel the same, but that, that to me is kind of, Kind of the, the puzzle that I put together from all this.
1: Well, that, let's see. Those are some of the reasons why I've always loved Don Blue films, just generally. They're just so different. And I love Disney to death. Uh, don't get me wrong. Disney, yeah, is, of course. Disney is life. But it was just <laughs> kind of, it's funny to say refreshing because his films are darker for the most part, but they uh, are. Refreshing, They're refreshing dog gambling. <laughs> <laughs> just because it's a different perspective and a different take. And, you know, as an animation fan, I, I always loved that even when I was younger. That's yes. why you know, even though Don Bluth technically isn't around anymore, we still have him in our name. Disney Dreamers, Pixar, Don Bluth, and everything in between. Like I know. it's just like paying homage to him as how much he means to us as animation fans. Even though to most people he's probably non-existent, you know, currently.
3: Yeah, yeah. So we love you, Don.
1: <laughs> we do.
3: Uh, I was reading some reviews on Amazon for the um, for the DVD. And I I love it when reviewers online, they judge the subject matter of the movie and not the actual DVD product. Um, I I know. And and also, I love to read why people don't like movies. Um, One user said that they were disturbed by how many times the word stupid is used in the film, and they felt uncomfortable watching it with their kids. (laughs) One, I I don't even remember an instance where they even say the word stupid in this film. I'm sure they do say it a lot. We're but just... I don't really know about that. Like, I use the word "stupid" in my daily life at least a thousand times a day, thanks exactly. to nineties animation, and I turned out great. <laughs> you know, We're that calloused. Seriously, stupid Amazon customer. They don't even they care too much about the word "stupid." They're <laughs> stupid. <laughs> Have you ever seen that Dexter's Laboratory episode where they keep saying, "And you know what? You are stupid." <laughs> anyway, it's on. Uh, it's on Dexter's Laboratory on Netflix.
1: So. Let's talk about the voice cast, because I really liked the voice cast for this movie. Mm -hmm. Um, Burt Reynolds plays Charlie, which Charlie's official name is Charlie (laughs) Bibarkin. I like Um, it. He is a German shepherd mix, so basically a mutt. Um, And they designed the character with Reynolds in mind for the role. And they sort of mimic some of his mannerisms. And I, you know, we were talking about Balto and how Balto's voice didn't fit balto's character it was too gruff and gritty like hey jenna hey uh, (laughs) i'm gonna save the children (laughs) and it didn't work for me but burt reynolds voice as charlie it was great it was kind of the same things that we were faulting balto for but it worked here because charlie was sort of a shady character from the beginning while balto was always this hero yeah
3: yeah yeah so i totally um, agree you know, at the Q at the Q and A at Alamo Draft House, Don Blue said that Burt Reynolds came in having pre- because he was like, "Oh, this is a cartoon, so I get to be all crazy." He had all these uh, dog voices prepared, like voices that sound like a dog. <laughs> I know i I think it's so I think it's so cute when when real real life non animation non-voice actor actors don't get animation at all <laughs> it's so cute but uh don was talking about how he started talking and i was just like and tom was like what what the heck are you doing <laughs> just just to your normal voice that's why you we cast you in the first place
1: nice. but anyway, that's, just little,
3: that's, that's just a little tidbit on, he probably on spent
1: all this time trying there.
3: <laughs> and then um I think at some point Reynolds like insisted that they had Don Don DeLuise be brought in as his counterpart because they had done films together and they, oh. they kind of worked well as a comedy duo.
1: Don DeLuise played um, Itchy in this oh, movie, and itchy. he you know he's a, a dachshund who's crazy, and um, he's done a lot of voices for Don Bluth films. Um, Secret, of Secret, Mim- Secret of Secret of NIMH, Jeremy in American Tell Tiger? Um, oh, Tiger! Troll in Central Park, Stanley. Um, he, you know, he played in the the sequels for American Tale and Secret of Them 2 and All Dogs Christmas Carol, whatever. Um, but yeah, he's done actually quite a bit for Dawn. It was kind of like one of his go-to, sort of like his John Ratzenberger. Right.
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah.
2: He did have quite a few of the same people throughout a lot of his movies.
3: Mm-hmm. I love Itchy because uh I like his character design because this is the late 80s and you have to have a character wearing uh, you know, quote-unquote hip clothes. <laughs> He's kinda got he's got the sleeveless shirt going on, he's got the um the baseball cap.
1: Yes. Oh gosh. Which doesn't fit his personality at all.
3: It really doesn't.
1: (laughs) It's just the era.
3: He needed to be a little more hip hop if if he was gonna wear the It's true those clothes.
1: We have to talk about the voice of Anne Marie. Yeah. Which is so sad. But her was played by a young girl named Judith Barcy. This was her final role before she died in 1988. So the movie hadn't even, you know, they still had a year left before
2: it was released. And she was tragically murdered um, by her father. right? Chelsea? By her father. Yeah, it was a murder-suicide. And so Ugh. he ended up killing her and her mother and then killed himself and, like, burned down their house. It was- oh, uh, my
0: gosh.
2: People... Yeah, it was really go to jail for being losers. Yeah, (laughs) and the thing is, Don always like I read an interview with him where he just talked about how they nearly paralyzed them because they all had tape recorders of her voice so that they could help with animation, and none of them could listen to it for a while, and they just they just had to stop everything for like a couple weeks, you know, just to be able to not have that no Anne Marie scenes. Yeah, it's like just don't even do it. Don't go there. And apparently, that same day, like once he heard about it, he couldn't even stay in the studio. Like he had to just leave. He had to just go. So oh, tragic. Yeah, can't even Horrible. imagine. Can't
3: and even this imagine. Is,
2: this is a year before it came out, and they were going to be doing using her a lot in the promotions of this movie because Burt Reynolds' contract is that he made one stipulation: is that they could not use him to promote the film, and they could not use his great. name. Which is like <laughs> great. Now what? And so they what a just jerk. Didn't Focus on her. And now they can't do that. It's just really sad.
3: My gosh. There's also this weird, tragic story about the, the archives being being thrown away, right?
2: hmm Yeah. So I was reading on... This is apparently in my research. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I was reading on the Facebook page. Morgan actually showed this to me a couple, like a year ago or so when... This guy, his name is Daryl Gilly. he was got on the Don Bluth Films Facebook page and asked if he could get – he said he was the the announcer voice in All Dogs Go to Heaven for the rat race scene. He said that I, I just really want a sell of that character that I voiced. Do you happen to have any? And then later on they said, sorry, we don't Like – we'll look and see if we can find anything that we have, and if we do, we'll give it to you. But, I mean, this was – a direct reply from either Don or Gary. And he said that we donated all of our animation archives to the Savannah College of Art and Design back in 2005. Also the financing company for All Dogs Go to Heaven demanded the return of all of the work, which we did. Then they decided that it was too expensive to store and either destroyed it or had it just taken to the dump. What a shame.
1: This is a financing company. Don't they understand how valuable these yeah. are? You don't just throw things away. You save them and you sell them on eBay. <laughs> piece them out, okay? I don't. If you don't want to store them, sell them there. Have an auction. Yeah. But you're literally putting money in the trash. Yeah. Like Idiots. why? Why do they? Idiot.
3: Why do they demand to have the archives returned from a museum?
1: I think. I think these, no. No. No.
3: Or to this the col- was, From the college.
1: They this was. This was before. This was back in the 90s, before any of the stuff was donated to the college. After the movie was finished, around 89, since they basically provided all the financing for the film, they technically own the film and everything that belongs to it. And I guess for some reason they said, this film is our property, we get all the sales. And there's nothing you can do about it because they financed your film. If Don Bluth had financed it himself, he would get to keep them. But uh, And then they were just really lame and threw it all away. (laughs) It's like, you're just going to throw it away. Why don't you give it back?
3: Yeah. There's such a, a waste. It's like that, uh, yet another tragic story about this movie. Set, I mean, yeah. it's just throwing that stuff away is like throwing away like pieces of history.
2: Yeah. All it's
3: disgusting.
2: Bad things. <laughs>
3: Real. <laughs> all right. Anyway, back to, back, to the, back to the movie. They break out of jail. And I people say that the plot is disjointed, but I don't really think it is. Like, I understand like where all this is, is going. Like... Charlie was, Charlie had a casino, you know, a dog casino, you know, because I, I can wrap my head around that. <laughs> and a evil car face dog. Um, we find out that, oh, spoiler alert. Um, he was kind of the reason why Charlie was on death row in the first place. So he wants to get rid of him. And I, I forget where all the songs come in during all this.
2: <laughs> well, they all have like little moments that I thought they fit for the most part, as far as like how they segwayed into them. Like, for example, you go into a bar and then they all just start you know, doing a drinking song. And so that's the that's the song, You Can't Keep a Good Dog Down. And I love then, that song. It's a good one. You can't keep a good <laughs> dog down. Oh, no, no, no. <laughs> you can't keep a good dog down. <laughs> yeah, the words to it are actually really clever, too.
3: Yeah, yeah. What did y'all think about the, um, the scene of Charlie getting splattered by car face
1: you mean when he gets hit by the car
3: yeah like what did you think
1: a very bold move i <laughs> i like that he had to die i guess
3: <laughs> what, yeah. are, what are you going for i just think the i i don't know i just think the whole sequence is is creepy oh. he's just, like drunk he doesn't even know what's going on poor guy he's like yeah singing more... and dancing the whole time i think one of the reasons why we kids thought this was a cool movie was that it was one of the probably the only popular animated film sure. where you see heaven like, where where the movie actually takes you there. But it's like doggy heaven, you know?
1: Yeah. I actually, I, I really like this movie because you do see the two sides. You see heaven, which you never see. Like, we never go there. And then parts of Diablo, you know, the depths of hell. <laughs>
3: there you go. Yeah, totally. And so, it the, the film really does have this, like, spiritual side to it. And at the Q&A, Don Bluth did talk about, I think he talked about an experience he had when he was a kid about a dog that died in his family and his parents, you know, explained that, you know, according to their beliefs that there is a place in, in heaven for, for animals and that he didn't have to worry. And so, you know, Don Belus definitely grew up with this concept of finding your family again in heaven after you die. And so that's, he, he did cite that as part of the inspiration for this movie, which, which I thought was really cool. And it's, a, I think why pe- why this movie appeals is that, one you get to see these cool scenes of heaven and and these highly spiritual scenes but at the same time it it delves into that question like do we see our beloved family pets because they're part of our family you know so i i thought that was a, a cool little detail mhm heaven is kind of funny though
2: it's really cool in colorful.
3: this
2: movie <laughs> i love the color scheme of heaven
3: Cotton candy, you mean?
2: Yeah, lots of <laughs> cotton candy everywhere.
3: <laughs> <laughs> it's better than I ever dreamed it was.
2: <laughs> Welcome to doing whatever you wish.
3: Yeah. Dog in Heaven's song. great.
1: That's yeah. another good song. I love that Whippet. She's super cute. She's pink. And um she's like one of the standouts of this movie, when I think of All Dogs Get Heaven, I think of her singing and her line, You could never go back yeah
3: i think with all these dog episodes we've been quoting that a lot
1: yeah the, the listeners are probably like oh we get it
2: you could never go back got it i never <laughs> want to go back to this episode thank you Oh, fast forward <laughs> dogs are naturally loyal and loving and kind
3: um i guess and what about carface and his cronies
2: carface is
1: disgusting pretty no bad a car face
3: I like his line <laughs> I like his line where he's like what 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 <laughs> so funny 90s that, animation his
1: like henchman dog is also kind of gross
3: Oh, killer
1: he has like this uh, studded collar which really doesn't but then these huge glasses so I'm not quite sure what will make out of this guy and then he's just kind of like a loser you he's know not as, as
0: tough
3: a... mean <laughs> yeah he's, he's not a real killer he's just a bookie
1: So this is jumping like way ahead, but that family of dogs that's like orphans, it (laughs) just make me laugh. I don't know if they're all her kids, which they're not because they're all different (laughs) breeds, but it's it's just, you know, your typical like super poor family that has way too many kids than they they can afford, you know, so let's bring them pizza. These are the poorest dogs I know.
3: They're more broke than the uh Ten Commandments. <laughs> Best line ever. <laughs> I, I love I love the dogs eating all that gooey cheese on the pizza.
1: Ah uh, yeah, that is a good scene. It is.
3: Yeah, yeah, I like that. That's, good animation. that's cute. cracks me up. Cracks me up every time. <laughs> yeah, totally.
1: But so this movie actually had really interesting visuals. Like we talked about heaven. There's the pirate ship house, Mardi oh, yeah. Gras. Like it's all over the place. Like it doesn't really make sense. That, horse that this race? Could, yeah, that this could be in a real world. It's just very well, bonkers.
3: Un- unless you've never, if you've never been to like the southeastern United States where all these things are kind of conjoined together. Yeah, it is a little confusing.
2: I didn't understand it until this last year. When pirate every- ship houses are real.
3: <laughs> yeah, they're all over the place. Go what? down to ship go down to shipwreck. It's a seafood place in college station. Yeah. from, from Galveston to Florida, pirate ship houses are everywhere. It's a huge thing. <laughs>
2: Trust me it's on that like, one. It's like now Arizona's I know. version of the like retirement communities. There's just a million RV parks basically. And they just they're everywhere. That's what it is down here.
3: It's all pirates. <laughs> We're giving our listeners in, in like India and in England a really, be- a really false image of the United States.
0: It's true.
3: The South is all pirates. Stay out. Um, arg. I don't know. I, I didn't think that the plot like jumped around randomly because I, I, under- I understand the context of all the environments of the film. But yeah, it is. It is kind of weird. The horse show, the Mardi Gras thing. But yeah.
1: Well, and the thing with Anne Marie is that she oh, can Anne talk Marie. to animals. That's right. A- animals. <laughs>
3: she should. She should hang out with uh, Eliza Thornberry. <laughs>
1: I feel like there's you know, a lot of characters that can talk with animals. I'm trying to think of other ones that.
3: Well, there's some movies where they inexplicably can talk to animals, and then there's one, and then there's there's shows where it's a, a huge deal that they can talk to animals.
1: Mm-hmm. Can't think of any off the top Can't of. Can't think
3: head. of any right, Yeah. Yeah. Me neither. Doctor
1: Doolittle. <laughs> Yeah, oh, right. I feel like there's an animated movie where uh, the character can talk to animals, but I may be wrong.
3: I think I think Anne Marie looks like a mini Snow White. Yes, she's got that. Mm-hmm. She's got that color scheme. Yes, know? she
1: has the little black bob, completely adorable. Her clothes, same same color, sort of color scheme. She has, like, a, a yellow bow, right, in her hair, like a headband. And yeah. then the red and blue rags, which I'm like, oh, my gosh. You, was this purposefully done or coincidence because you are Snow White?
2: It uh, was purposefully red, Oh, Red, well, blue, but, thank you, red blue,
3: and yellow are also um, recognizable childlike car- uh, colors because they're the primary colors.
2: So here's why. So Burt Reynolds' wife actually played the voice of the collie, Flo, And according to Reynolds, she grew up wanting to be an animator. And it was just one of those things that was really important to her. And her favorite heroine was Disney Snow White. And then later when she was doing the voices for it, she was just always all about Snow White. And so in order to kind of like ode to her, they put a lot of Snow White's image into Anne-Marie.
1: Man, they really pandered to Burt Reynolds
2: here. <laughs> right? <laughs> they really... this movie. And they couldn't even do anything with it. I...
3: Oh, well. Hey. Yeah. <laughs> well, that's pretty fascinating. So that's why she looks like a mini Snow White.
1: Yeah. Well, she's freaking adorable, okay? We yeah. need to do a YouTube video of top animated kids. Aww. I think she would be up on the list.
3: Children. Uh, the other one would be uh, R- Russell.
1: Oh, Russell. Up.
3: True. Good afternoon, sir. My name is Russell. Anyway, um her animation's okay. I feel like she's very highly rotoscoped. But um that just means that the kid who, who did the live footage was was cute too.
1: <laughs> yeah, there's a lot of rotoscoping going on. But that's kind of normal with background characters in blue films, but especially the, the I feel like okay, you know the film where they're pandering for money at the horse races? Yeah. And everyone's just like wandering by them. I feel like that's like a very classic Bluth scene. I feel like I've seen that scene in in Anastasia somewhere and uh, a few other few other movies. But that's kind of like I don't know. When I see that, that typifies Don Bluth to me. Like rotoscope characters all over the place with the main character. Yeah. Little.
3: When I think of this movie, I think of her dressing up as a mustached man oh and gosh. getting the horse race betting ticket. <laughs>
1: Reminds me of. Uh, Little rascals. Yeah. Oh yeah. I like <laughs> to take out a hefty load. I,
3: yeah, I, lo- so I, I need love,
1: your account number.
3: I love the nineties because the the story of nineties entertainment is the story of kids out duping really stupid adults. You know, kid, <laughs> kids rule. You know? That mentality.
1: We'll <laughs> oh, that's a great scene when she dresses up like like an adult and and she's standing on Charlie with the mustache. And I always wonder, I'm like, okay, so you you got You were able to buy the tickets. You lucked out this one time. But how are you going to cash in your tickets for that much money? I don't know.
3: Yeah. I don't know. But the great
1: thing about Anne-Marie is that she's really sort of the moral compass. Because Charlie isn't. He's just doing anything. He's
3: he's horrible. Totally exploiting this little girl.
1: Yep. And he just wants to earn a lot of money, get his casino back, and to, you know, rub it in Scarface's face. Um, but she's always the, the voice of reason. Like, when she finds out that the wallet was stolen from that cute, adorable, single, or a childless
3: couple. Oh, they're so great.
1: And she's like, Charlie, you stole this? I mean, she just gets really worked up.
3: This is part of Charlie's story arc. It just breaks your heart in some places. When she calls Charlie a bad dog, that was like totally broke my heart.
1: Ooh, yeah, that's probably the kind of, worst. Kind of
3: like when when Carl called Doug a bad dog in Up. That's like the worst. It, when you're if you're a dog, that's the that's the last thing you want to ever hear. <laughs> you do it's not fair. want to be called a bad dog. It's the lowest you can get. I don't know. That was kind of the message I got out of this film. Like Charlie throughout the film he doesn't really change. But you want him to change, he's totally enveloped in the vices of the world, like all the gambling all the all the corruption until he meets this little girl who needs him because she's an orphan she needs him to be a, a good dog aka you know man's best friend and all that and so I like it this was kind of the one of the big messages I got from the film is like how do we how do we solve the problems of people getting involved in like violence and drinking gambling corruption all that stuff? you strengthen the family duh like just a little. Family love, you know, and that's why that's why animation is so great is that they can tell these stories and tell these messages in such an entertaining way.
1: Yeah, I have nothing to add. That was really. So
3: that's about it. (laughs) (laughs) But yeah, Um, because like Charlie is a bad dog. He's totally using her throughout the whole film.
1: He's disgusting, almost as disgusting as Carface.
3: But at the same time, we're totally rooting for him the whole time A because there's no one else in the in the movie and and b because it's quality animation i believe because part of animation is one of the 12 principles is character appeal and good character appeal is getting the audience to care about a seemingly unredeemable or irredeemable character because charlie's heading in a a, he's he's never headed in the right direction in this film like he kind of cares for her like that (laughs) the scene where he's trying to get her to shut up and sleep in the back of the car it's so it's gold and at the very end, she's like, Charlie, what? I have to go to the bathroom.
1: It's <laughs> <laughs> so true. With kids, it never ends. You think, okay, we're, we got it. We're, we're moving on. And there's something else.
3: Um, you have to go to the bathroom.
1: So uh, question. So when, when Charlie goes to heaven the first time, that was an accident. He wasn't supposed to be there. Because yeah. clearly at that point in time, he was, did nothing to deserve to be in heaven.
3: And besides being a dog.
1: So how to get there? She was looking through the books so she was like, I don't see your name here.
3: Oh. <laughs> well, it, it, it's it's the it's the doctrine of the film that all oh, dogs go to heaven. Yeah.
1: You Even know, if you are a horrible cuz discu- later Carface you know, the, goes to the You the end. title
3: Morgan, the yeah, title I get of the
1: film. it. Okay. <laughs> that was a total relapse.
3: <laughs> well, that was that was a really hard doctrine for me to swallow too, this this concept of all dogs going to heaven by default. Like yeah. cuz why did why does Carface get to go to heaven? Surely can he did. The robes. I know. And I love how he hates it there. So I'm like, ha, good. I'm glad that you can't be happy in heaven.
1: Well, um, that is, that is another eternal principle. <laughs> true.
3: It really, it really is. Um, <laughs> and then I guess he's trying to steal his pocket and the whole thing with the pocket watch, you know, I like how um, Charlie's like, Oh sweet. a watch that'll take me back and that'll take me back to, to life. Steal. Wind. <laughs> I, love, I love characters that um, totally say, to heck with your established rules. I'm going to make my own rules. <laughs> but yeah, it, it's this weird doggy doctrine in this film that all dogs go to heaven. I think Carface should have gone to doggy hell.
2: Well, he does because he winds himself back up and then he he can't come back. So he will. <laughs> well, Charlie went back. What are you talking about? Yeah, but
1: then he redeemed himself he, at the
3: end. He redeemed himself by sacrificing himself. I guess. <laughs> in the end, all dogs go to heaven has great character development for Charlie because, like in the beginning, he's he's definitely okay. Put it putting it lightly, he's not a fantastic role model for kids, you know. But like I said, we still we still push for him and root for him because he has the we see the potential of to help out the little orphan girl, which is which is good, you know. And we all want to see him succeed and change. And then uh, you have your quintessential part where the, uh, the character usually lives this like big lie. You know, Aladdin <laughs> comes to, comes to, comes to mind. You know, Mulan, where y- y- you always get that iconic scene where they're like, "You lied to me," you know. And that's <laughs> when they start their their big downward descent.
4: Mm-hmm. You
3: know, but in the end, he's redeemed, and the theme, of, the element of redemption and, and real spiritual change. It's very classic with character development. And while while I don't judge animated films solely on character development, I think it's I think this is really it's really solid in All Dogs Go to Heaven. Like you can say what you want about the songs or like the quality of animation.
1: I say nothing negative about the songs, FYI.
3: Okay, okay. <laughs> you, Mor- Morgan, you can hate on those songs all you want. I gu- I guess we don't have anything to say about the songs, but like there is this element of redemption and it's literally on a spiritual level, which is really cool.
2: Mm-hmm. I'll agree with that. As far as the songs go, like when you compare them to something like Little Mermaid, which everybody was doing at the time, obviously, yeah, yeah. they're not going to come up quite to that level. But in and of themselves, in their place, I like them. I think they're fun. It's yeah. They're,
1: they're not masterpieces, but they're fun and enjoyable. Yeah.
3: Yeah, it's no spirit where it's like, we have to have a song every five seconds. Oh, yikes. <laughs> Look well. into my eyes. Anyway. Oh, Rob Thomas on the brain, so yeah I think I think in the end, all always go to heaven is is pretty cool. It's also got your your classic um sassy fat alligator
2: that I was gonna say we can't end this without oh, talking gosh. about him, like
3: why he's... does there always have to be a sassy fat alligator in <laughs> an animated movie
2: there's I have no idea where he comes from, why he's needed into the plot, except for Uh, the fact that he does release Charlie from the weight of the anchor at the very uh, end. But, like, there's nothing else other than... Totally. He does eat Carface, so I guess there's that.
1: (laughs) When he's introduced at the beginning and he's singing his song, I'm just like... What is going on? I was okay with everything, <laughs> everything else that had happened in this movie, but this just took it too far. What, what is, is happening is here? So, and, and and then you know, I Let's then he disappears, make music and together, then together, baby. Well, then he disappears, and then he only returns just to conveniently like tie up some loose ends of the plot. Which I guess that was one thing I didn't like about this movie was that guy. Like he was funny, but I was just. Uh, when he appeared i'm like what is happening
3: <laughs> yeah totally who is the bayou alligator in uh, princess and the frog louis louis that's right louis uh maybe, maybe this is like a cousin of louis's or maybe this is louis before he before he like you know turned from singing to trumpet playing you know <laughs> cuz it is in the same locale it is in in new orleans
2: and i think that's one of the main things that i thought of when i first saw princess and the frog i was like it's totally All Dogs Go to Heaven guy. Okay, so, final thoughts, everybody.
3: Final thoughts.
2: I can go first. I grew up loving this movie. Like, there's a lot of good things in it, and there's a lot of things that are like, yeah, that's probably not, like, the most triumphant, awesome animated movie ever. It's not. But it it was good, and it was one of those movies that I continuously watched as a kid. Don Louise really made me happy. A lot. Um, I would give this movie three and a half stars on a like a critical, just because of the enjoyment level and the replay value. Non critical level, I would probably do it more just because of the replay value. But I'll just go with three point five.
1: I also will give it three point five, like Chelsea said. Grew up loving this movie. Um, When I watched it again, it it didn't lose any of its charm that it had when I initially watched it, you know, 20 years ago. Um, It just was very enjoyable. Characters were interesting. I like Charlie. I love Anne-Marie. I love the juxtaposition between um, how... Just diabolical Charlie is, and how pure, sweet, and innocent Anne Marie is. And I, I like where both of their lines go, their plot lines through this movie. I thought it just, it's fun. It's interesting. The songs, surprisingly, you know, were another thing that they're not masterpieces, but they're fun to listen to, which I like. And so, yeah, three and a half stars.
3: All right. Yeah. I can't give this a three star and I can't give it a four star. So uh, I'll do three and a half stars along with you guys. That seems to be a really comfortable rating for this film. Cause I do, I do like the tale, the the, the character arc of redemption for Charlie. Like it's always good. It's always good to see that, to see that, that even the, the rottenest, nastiest people can change. And it usually, you know, loving a child is the key to doing that. And to me, that's a principle that needs to be brought up more. And animation is a the perfect vehicle to drive that message home. And I thought that Don Bluth did a really good job being independent from other studio influences. Like, I think that's an achievement in itself that he got to have some real cre- creative freedom with this film. And, um, you know, maybe someday we'll get to see the, the uncut version of All Dogs Go to Heaven.
4: Ooh.
3: <laughs> um. I think uh, Itchy is adorable. He's probably my one of my favorite parts of this film, and Anne Marie's great. So yeah, three and a half stars. Is, I mean, it's it's definitely a solid animated film. It's definitely a, an animated like icon or like staple from the '90s, late '80s. You know,
1: totally, totally, totally. Okay, let's move into our mailbag segment. So most of these emails are from people referring to our Up episode. They sent it in slightly a bit too late, so they weren't able to get onto our Up episode. And then people talking about our dog series. So let's jump right into it. The first one is from Mike. He says, hey guys, since you're discussing Pixar's Up in your upcoming podcast, I was hoping you could answer a question that bugged me since I first saw the movie. Why are Carl and Russell spending the whole second half of the movie trying to keep Muntz from capturing Kevin? Didn't Muntz merely want to transport Kevin to the U.S. alive just to redeem himself? It's not like he was going to kill the bird. Way to treat your hero, Carl. Am I missing something? What are your thoughts? Also, I thought you'd be interested in hearing about a California couple who turned their house into a duplicate of the one featured in this film. Keep up the great work, you animation explorers. And remember, adventure is out
2: there. Mike.
3: Thanks, Mike.
2: He's so right about months, like, catching Kevin.
3: Yeah. One way? would ask why. what the big deal is. It, the, the thing is, is that Kevin, um, Kevin has a family. He's got his babies, her babies.
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's true. Kevin's a girl?
3: Um, so you you can't have that. But at the same time, it's like, 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 Carl, I think to me it was like Carl unknowingly um, getting attached to Russell. Mm-hmm informing, like, a family bond already, and he doesn't know it, and so he just kind of gets whisked away into helping helping Russell because Russell wants to help Kevin. And then he also has incentive because Russell, like, flat-out runs away to go help Kevin. Uh-huh. Because Car- cause in the second half of the film, Carl doesn't care about Kevin. Yes. He do- doesn't care that Munts has captured him, but Russell's like, I'm gonna save him if you're not! And... Um, and that's when Carl has his huge catharsis about the the potential of him to move on and have his own adventure. And that kind of sets everything straight in his head and he goes off and he does the right thing. I don't know if I got the chronology right there, but that's kind of my take on it.
1: I like your points. And then referring to the Up House, this is an interesting article. Um, there was a family in California that painted their house exactly like the Up House. They live on a very historic street with a lot of Victorian homes and they just, you know, I think their kids kind of they wanted to make their children happy and so they they kind of said, "Oh, well let's paint our house like the, the Up House." And so they did and it kind of created all this controversy because people are saying these are historic films or these are historic homes i can't believe you're creating such a, a travesty out of them like this is this is disgusting it's ugly it's an eyesore it's going to cause house prices to go down blah blah, 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 blah.
3: what it's so, going to cause house prices to go up think of the selfies in front of that house
2: for real yeah it's true that only so helps if they are able to charge for the selfies. <laughs> well,
3: well, well, does this family own the house or are they renting?
2: Yeah, they, they own the house.
3: Well, then what's the problem, California? Yeah, anyway. Uh, well, I'll this stop. Is
1: one, <laughs> this is one thing we didn't talk about in the Up episode is how there actually is a replica of the, um, the Carl and Ellie house in Utah. It was sort of a promotion that um, a home builder did and none of the other houses in this neighborhood look like this but just there's one house in the neighborhood that they designed specifically to you know they contacted pixar they were able to work with the company and and do like an official promotion and they built the house and the family that lives in the the house now they're huge pixar fans like it's a dream come true to be living in it um and the pixar podcast actually did an interview with them so i will include that link in the show notes because that's pretty neat classy But pretty cool that that exists in in an official form and then with this one California house unofficially.
3: This one is from Sarah. She says, Hey, Rotoscopers, I can't wait for your up review. I would have thought of you guys doing Lady and the Tramp instead, but I guess it works because of Doug. I am, however, a little surprised that you guys didn't have Whitney play Catch and Fire in your last Unicron review. Oh, well, maybe next time. Anyways, on to my two questions. First question is for Chelsea. Did you audition for the Gem in the Holograms movie? Chelsea, did you? <laughs> I did, did you?
2: I did not. I'm sorry to say <laughs> not, I did not.
3: Hey, maybe in the sequel, right? Yeah, maybe. All right, all right. I, I, you know, I could see you doing like a cosplay or... You know what we should do? We should do Rotoscopers cosplays. <laughs> We would attract so many people. (laughs) Anyway, I I could be... um...
2: Cosplay is all about... It's all about cosplay these days. Like, there's so many YouTube people who do cosplays. It
3: really is. I should be a hiccup. Yeah, we're training these dragons dad anyway um since morgan she uh, sarah goes on since morgan missed the meet the robinsons review chelsea was tangled and of course mason with hercules will there be separate inter- reviews of the films you didn't do on the podcast or on the youtube channel especially mason's re- review of hercules jeez i didn't I didn't realize i would cause such ripples not being on the hercules episode um and uh and Sarah was kind enough to point out all the episodes where we were not present for certain episodes. <laughs> I I never thought we would have such attentive fans. So <laughs> But uh yeah, Sarah. We're
1: always watching you. Always
3: watching without <laughs> Anyway. Um Wow, I didn't realize I was I was gone for so many episodes. I'm kind of ashamed. Um Sarah, thank you for caring. Um we love to be on as many episodes as possible. Unfortunately, sometimes due to scheduling and other stuff, we're not able to, to be there, but thankfully we have excellent roto, roto writers to uh, fill in for us when, when they need to. Um, uh, I mean, aside from the occasional anecdote and, um, and comment and, or many discussion on films that we missed, I don't think we're going to go back and do separate episodes. Um, so sorry.
1: <laughs> Maybe if it comes out on Blu-ray, then that's, that'll be our chance.
3: Also, you will note that uh, she listed all the episodes, and then my the Hercules episode that I missed is in italics and has an asterisk, so apparently <laughs> someone was really offended that I wasn't on the Hercules episode.
1: So, Mason, give us your mini-review of
3: Hercules right now
1: even though you've never finished I, seeing the movie I've
3: never finished watching
1: Hercules oh, gosh <laughs> that's enough said okay I, no, said. I, th- I
3: think Hercules on, on an animation and comedy level is uh, is on the level with um, Emperor's New Groove which is a good thing um, I love all the um, they managed to turn mythology references into pop culture references like mythology references are the pop culture references of in the world of Hercules which I think is brilliant. It really defines a really cool like universe in the film, um, of course. And then you got uh, "I Can Go the Distance," which uh, um, which is very, you know, a very popular Disney song. And um, I really like the character design. The character design is very like very like it really displays the power and majesty of Greek myth- mythological figures. So I think it's a good film. I, I, if, I'm sure if I saw it all the way through, I would give it like a probably give it like a four and a half stars. Oh, and I love Hades. My gosh, I want to be just like him. I mean, not, not like go to hell or anything, but like, I think he's really cool. Um, so yeah, I, I that's my mini review. I think it's a really good film. I'd have to go back and watch it. I, I've seen it in its entirety, but it was like back in high school and I wasn't paying, paying attention or, you know, we ended up watching it over a period of three days. So it was, it was all lost, but
1: we'll do a live rewatch one, one of these
2: days,
3: dude. Dude, those are going to be bombing.
2: Google Hangout. It'll be awesome. Our next email is from Leanne, and she says, Hi, Rotoscopers. Listeners since day one. I really like the fact that she says that. And I wanted to say how awesome you all are and how your podcasts get me through my commute and long hours in the lab with a smile. Up is my personal favorite Pixar movie because of how touching, poignant, and on the flip side, how fun and funny it is. There's no character in the film that I don't love. From the antagonist to the protagonist, everyone is memorable and it hits you right in the feels as it should. I remember watching it the first time and feeling so mad at how, yet again, the married life scene started the movie off with me crying. But in spite of being angry, I knew that the story would be wonderful. I love the juxtaposition of how Mr. Frederson with Russell, how one is missing Ellie and the other one has no father figure. And how through the crazy adventure through the falls, they find each other as well as what they need. Who doesn't love Doug? Seriously, our family dog, Tyke, looks exactly like Doug. So I'm a bit biased. But ugh. So so great. So happy. Leanne. Thanks, Leanne.
3: Yeah, Doug is one of the Doug is one animal sidekick in a in a Pixar or Disney, you know, that kind of film that doesn't annoy the heck out of you. Like he's totally lovable. I don't know anyone who doesn't like Doug in Up.
2: He was voted
1: our top loved character, wasn't he? Yeah, we had a poll on the sidebar of the website and he definitely swept the swept the ballot. People love Doug. Okay, now our final email is from Jacob.
3: Can I I do this one because he's from Texas? Go ahead. Okay. All right, this one I want to read myself. This one is from Jacob. He says, Dear Rotoscopers, my name is Jacob Heron, and I'm from a small town in the great state of Texas. Hello. Awesome. I've been listening to your amazing podcast since January 2014, and you kept me entertained, informed, and laughing all while I'm traveling and or drawing. When I heard you were doing animated movies over Man and Women's Best Friend, I was ecstatic. I noticed that you didn't mention one of Disney's beloved puppy overloaded classics, 101 Dalmatians. Who doesn't love a puppy, right? Anyway, I also hope you include Disney's Bolt in your review selection. I love this movie to death, and what's not to love about a dog who thinks and believes he is a real super dog, and his journey to find his beloved owner and discover who he really is? I would have loved to seen this movie adapted into an actual TV series. Thank you for reading my email. Keep up great podcasting, and God bless. Thanks again. Jacob H. First of all, thank you for being Texan. You're awesome. And uh, second of all, I, I will admit that in, in our uh, I don't know how long this dogs series is going to is it going to go on, but like we have missed like 101 Dalmatians and like Lady in the Tramp. Like those are like really dog dog list. movies, but I'm glad we did up because people were clamoring about that one, too. Yes, like fans really wanted to hear that one.
4: Hey Rotoscopers, this is Dan Siciliano and I am very, 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 very excited about your next podcast episode centered around Don Bluth's All Dogs Go to Heaven. This film is one of my top three favorite animated movies along with The Secret of Nim" and Fantasia. I don't care if anybody is slamming the picture, I just love this film because it has a lot, a lot, a lot of colorful moments, especially the, the opening of the film with about like five to seven minutes long, like the, um, the opening dog pound escape sequence with Charlie and Itchy, the, uh, Ratway sequence, it's such a colorful and funny sequence, and the, and the You Can't Keep a Good Dog Down musical number, uh, I just love this film. I, I extra love it with, um, uh, the original version, the original home video version back in 1990, where you have the original MGM home video logo, the dumb DeLuise intro and outro, the sneak preview to rock doodle and the commercial uh, from Downing. I just love this film no matter what, no matter what. So I just hope you uh, you guys are doing well. I wonder how your opinion of the film is, and I'm not going to bite about it <laughs> if you give a, a bad remark on the film.
0: Hello, Rotoscopers. It's Maddie Allen here from Plymouth, England, Um, I hold a Bachelor of Arts degree in Animation Arts. And here is the good and the bad from All Dogs Go to Heaven. So firstly, the good. The characters. The characters in this film are great. Mason talks about his animation principles. And you can see that all those principles have gone into bringing these characters to life. I mean, they move brilliantly I love all the characters in this film. A bad point is that you can actually see in this film where budget cuts have taken place. I mean, there's a couple points where you can see some of the shadowing from the cell layers. and Also, some of the backgrounds in some areas are not as good as the rest of the film. And even some of the supporting characters, like the female dogs, the puppies... The horses or any of the other animals are badly caricatured compared to that of the dogs. I mean, the dogs are caricatured really well in this film. I mean, even the rats are. I mean, that is my quick review in a nutshell. Thanks for the podcast. I really enjoy them. And I'll catch you on the flip side. (laughs)
1: All right, guys, thanks for another fabulous episode with uh, the classic All Dogs Go to Heaven. It was a fun episode to talk about. And and I like this one because we didn't really go scene by scene by scene, which we've kind of fallen in the habit of doing in recent episodes. We sort of talked about whatever we wanted to talk about, and that was fun. If you want to prove to the world that you got to the end of this episode, use the hashtag Pink Whip It. And, of course, anytime you're referring to the, ep- the podcast, use the hashtag #AnimAddicts. You can find the show notes at rotoscopers.com slash 67 on our website, rotoscopers.com. That's where you can find all of the latest news and reviews of the animation world, including our YouTube channel, which has been featuring more and more of Mason, which is really exciting to have his videos on there and his reviews. Very, very fun stuff. You can subscribe to us on iTunes, and we'd love it if you leave us a review if you've been listening for a while. You know, those people who, have been, who write in saying, I've been listening since day one. You guys, that's who we want reviews from. Just saying. And, of course, you can listen to us on Stitcher Radio and anywhere great podcasts are found. If you want to send us an email, email us at contact at com. And voicemails, we love voicemails because we get to hear your voice. Um, Rotoscopers.com slash voicemail. Or you can call in on your phone at 406-646-6575. Um, also, don't forget to use our amazing affiliate links. So if you're ever shopping on Amazon, be sure to go to rotoscopers.com slash Amazon. We get a little kickback for everything you purchase. Thank you, person who bought a TV in the past few months. That was great. Awesome. <laughs> that was fantastic.
3: Keep buying TVs, America. Come on. <laughs>
1: And if you're interested in audiobooks, uh, go to rotoscopers.com slash Audible. Uh, we love audiobooks. We love podcasts. But sometimes, you know, you got to get your literary uh, whatever. But sometimes you got to get your reading in. So Audible is a great way to do that. You can do it at the gym, in the car. It's great. So, uh, yes, I'm Morgan Stradling. You can find
2: me at Twitter, at Morgan Stradling. I'm Chelsea Robson. You can find me at Chelsea Robson on Twitter as well as on my Facebook, which is ChelseaRobson.com. You can get there.
3: And as always, I'm Mason Smith. You can find me at Twitter at Mason, S-M-T-X. Um, and that's, yeah, that's the best way to reach me on social media right now.
1: <laughs> yes. Ever since Mason has joined Twitter, Twitter has
2: been a better place.
3: Oh,
1: <laughs> uh, I remember the days when Mason wasn't on Twitter and it was sad. It was a sad place. Because it was like, we're all here except for him. <laughs> he's like this cool celebrity who's too cool to interact with fans and
2: people, but now he is, joined, oh,
3: shucks. he's
2: joined the community and, you know, it made a great. bigger, it made a bigger splash than when, even when, um, Iron Man got a Twitter.
3: Well, <laughs> speaking of, speaking of being too cool to, to hang out with fans by the time, by the time this podcast is released, I'm still going to be in the Houston area. So if, if you're a fan and you want to like hang out or meet me, you know, if you think that'd be cool, um, then uh, send me a shout-out because I'll be in the yes. Houston area being, <laughs> being bored. Like, seriously, all I've been doing is, you know, going out, you know, never mind.
1: So, Rotoscopers meet up in Houston. If you're interested, tweet Mason Smith, Mason SMTX. For real, that is happening. If you're interested in doing a meet-up in the Arizona Phoenix area, tweet me, Morgan Stradling. And if you're interested in the uh, Nashville area, tweet Chelsea at Chelsea Robson because for real we've done one um, we've done a, a meetup in Arizona and um, that no was one fun. came no one came <laughs> it was
3: <laughs> okay that was also like two years ago
1: it was yeah True. just it's different our friends, our friends from Animation Fascination came and then our real life friends who listened to the podcast came so it was really fun it was a blast we watched uh, we projected How to Train Your Dragon on a big screen outside and had a bonfire it was super cool so yeah if you want these to happen like tweet us or tweet at the Rotoscopers and we'll make this happen
2: <laughs> we like having friends. <laughs> we do.
3: Friend.
1: All right, guys. Until next time. We, we are, are the Rotoscopers.
4: Rotoscopers.
3: And that's spelled
1: W-H-I-P-P-E-T. Right?
3: <clears throat> you said PP. Yep. <laughs> We're like Voltron. We like turn into this giant robot. Oh, great. It's all on me again apparently a freaking train how many trains are they going to put come through this town
1: the this um alligator also reminded me of speed from from the Swan princess like there's always this character that's really fast at swimming in the water and okay never mind just cut cut that all out. the juxtaposition between his di- diabolicalness, or his debolicalness his diabolicalness thank you let me just say that I think the juxtaposition. <laughs> I think the juxtaposition. <laughs> I can't talk. I'll try this one more time, guys. I love, I love the juxtaposition. <laughs> I love the juxtaposition between.
3: Um... By the way, getting to getting to the point where you could say just, juxta Dang, I can't even say it. That's gonna be that's gonna be a good part of the <laughs> <just a> blooper. <laughs> the, the blooper reel. Yeah, juxta, juxta... Wow, I can't even say it. juxtaposition. There we go.
2: Juxtaposition.
3: Oh, well, way to go (laughs) on your first try. (laughs) Shut (laughs) up, Chelsea.
2: (laughs) I want you all to know that I'm better than you.
3: Well, you're great. You're pretty (laughs) great, so... There you go. Revenge! Revenge! Anyway, um...
2: I remember watching it the first time and feeling so mad at how, yet again, the married life scene started the movie off with me crying. But in spite of being angry, I knew that the story would be wonderful. I love the juxtaposition – see how I got that on the first try? Of Mr. Fredrickson with Russell.
0: Okay.
2: (laughs) Quiet, Chelsea. (laughs) I love the juxtaposition – twice in a row – of how Mr. Fredrickson with Russell – basically the last five minutes just cut
1: just cut after i said there's a pull on the website throw
3: it all away just okay
1: cool that was i made that way more complex chelsea made that way more complicated sorry
3: (laughs) stupid person who can pronounce juxtaposition (laughs) dang it (laughs)